Hey everyone, welcome back to Hot SciComm Summer, a special summer podcast series featuring conversations with folks who are talented science communicators across a range of media and environments. We've heard from YouTube video makers, podcast producers, public radio hosts, book authors, consultants, government liaisons, article writers, but the media landscape is ever evolving. And you can bet that enterprising science communicators will figure out how to leverage new platforms as a way to bring science to the world. That's why I was excited to talk with Steve Rathjay. He's a PhD student in psychology at the University of Cambridge, and he's done some cool research. So one day I was on his website looking to pull up a paper or something, and I see at the bottom of the page this little note that just says, he also makes science communication TikToks under the name at Steve Psychology. So I decided to check it out and watch some of his quick videos on classic psychology studies. And then I see that this guy has got more than a million followers on TikTok. I had heard that there was some cool science communication work happening on TikTok, but I was never all that checked into it. So I decided it would be really great to talk with Steve to get his take on the pros and cons of TikTok and how he approaches making these videos. I'll admit, some of the conversation is Steve explaining TikTok to me, but I don't think I'm the only one who needs that explainer. But most of our conversation is getting to the bottom of what works and doesn't work on TikTok, and why it's actually a really important opportunity to reach an audience who might otherwise have no exposure to sound social science. So, let's get to it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll get your take on it too, because you're as a person who's a student now, right? There's a question of like, is this a way a good way to spend your time? <laughs> and that's probably uh, yeah. a question um, you've had to ask yourself. <laughs> it's yeah. I've also been like considering going down the podcast route as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. that's something I'm interested in too. But it's something. I feel like that takes a lot of like action energy to start. So like, I admire you for like <laughs> you know being so like for doing so many podcasts and devoting so much time to it and like being so consistent as well. Like, yeah, there's different. Yeah. It's like a totally, it has to be a totally different beast than the relatively quick videos, right? There's this huge continuum. And again, uh, part of what my goal is, especially in, in getting you, your voice in this is to really sort of say like, there's a, whole bunch of ways that you can spread the news about social science and ways that you probably haven't thought of or that are emerging or like how do you jump on something that is maybe unproven at that time right and just sort of make the most of it yeah and what i like about tiktoks is it's been like a very easy habit to keep up Mm. like a podcast you have to do like you know you have to write emails to people you have to do like an hour conversation you have to edit like i'm sure that takes a lot of time a podcast, like a TikTok is something I can do. And maybe um, depending on like how much effort that one TikTok is, I can like film it in 30 minutes or less. And then I can edit it within the app in like 30 minutes or less and I can post it. So it's something I can like usually always find the time to do. It's a bit like, um, I feel like it's a bit like tweeting, like being like an active tweeter, except instead of writing something, you are, um, you are making a video. And I mean, I'm I'm on science Twitter and I follow a lot of people who do a lot of good science communication and who will like condense science really well in tweets. So that's kind of what I wanted to do for TikTok. Like I wanted to do these like very quick videos. And um, I also never wanted to like invest too much like production energy into sort of making it perfect. Like 
not too much scripting, sort of like describing a study off the cuff. I might, you know, film a few takes of it, but like I wanted it to be something that you could sort of do a bit off the cuff. And a lot of the style of TikTok in general, the app is sort of informal, people talking to the camera, things that aren't like as staged or posed as like Instagram or YouTube. So I wanted to sort of keep with that style, both like as a stylistic thing and just so I can maintain the habit of doing TikToks. So do you think it would be weird if it was overly scripted and produced? Like, do you think people wouldn't respond to it because it wouldn't be, it wouldn't seem authentic in, in the same TikTok way? I think it, uh, it depends. I mean, people have lots of different approaches on TikTok. This has sort of just been my approach. There have been people who make TikToks in external editing apps and they do lots of like visual effects that are like very, very impressive and make it more like a YouTube style video. And they do a very good job. And some of them have done really well. Also, a lot of people have like had a lot of good camera work and lighting and have like really nice backgrounds. And that's something I want to do more in the future. Right now, I've been moving so much that I'm like, okay, like plain white background. Um, I have a ring light. I like lighting is really important. I always have like a ring light or two ring lights, sometimes an extra lamp because having a lot of lighting coming in is good. And um, I think that's something the TikTok algorithm pays attention to. Mm. Um, it's it's a bit unproven, mm. but like having good lighting, having good camera quality, I think is something that will keep people sort of watching the video. But um, but yeah, and I mean, another thing I've also just tried to do with TikTok is consistency. A lot of people on TikTok emphasize, and again, this is sort of more unproven advice, but a lot of people emphasize the importance of sort of having a niche and having sort of a consistent style. Mm -hmm. And if you tell people to follow your videos, having people sort of know what they're getting into. So I, yeah, I mean, I started doing like science videos on this account about a year ago, and I have not really changed my style very much. It's me describing studies. And um, yeah, and I, like, I think if I started talking about something that wasn't psychology all of a sudden, or if I started doing memes or political mm. takes, people might get confused and unfollow. So that's, mm. that's one thing I've developed as well, sort of the doing a niche, doing something consistent. And I'm sure that's something you know, you think mm -hmm. of too with your podcast as well. Like, so uh, it occurs to me that it might actually make sense. And this is also just because <laughs> my perspective is a, of someone who is familiar with the fact that TikTok exists in the world that we live in, but not like overly, like I have definitely, it's on my phone. And okay, so you have an account. I have an account. And and I, okay. I did so because I heard there is there are folks doing science communication on TikTok. So I thought, okay, I'll check this okay. out. And then I sort of, then I read this other, other article that was like how creepy the algorithm is that it so quickly just finds what you like. It's very creepy, yeah. And so I've definitely it's, spent it's like a couple days being like, all right, I want to teach this app what I like. But but I I never quite got past that. I went, okay. I'm seeing some stuff, but <laughs> so I've, I've mostly abandoned TikTok as like a habit of watching it, which means oh, I don't okay, really know a lot of the tr like things yeah. that make TikTok TikTok. So for me and for others who maybe have even less familiarity <laughs> with what it is, could you even just like describe like what TikTok is? Because it's like fairly new in the media ecosystem. Um, so what is it? What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> it's fairly new. 
I'm surprised how there's this like gap where like some people don't know about TikTok at all, or they still think it's just like a dance app <laughs> or like a lip syncing app, and they don't know that other content exists on it. And then there are other people who are spending, you know, four or five hours a day on TikTok and are really hooked on the TikTok habit. And I mean, I consider myself one of those people who is hooked on TikTok. I might not spend that much time, but it's it's my most used social media. <laughs> I used to use Twitter a lot for, um, you know, consuming a lot of like science news, academic Twitter and everything. And I use TikTok more now. And it's precisely because of some of these features of uh, the TikTok algorithm and everything. So um, so basically, for those who like don't know um, sort of what TikTok's like, once you like install TikTok, it will just start showing you videos. And it will usually start showing you um, sort of uh, the most viral videos on the app. So um, these might be like prank videos or dance videos. And usually, like, when you first install TikTok, you're like, what am I seeing? Like, this is, I don't really like this at all. This is like a bit confusing. And I, I, I sort of, this is where some people will like leave the app because they don't really get it. They're just being shown these videos and they're scrolling through and they're like, what? Um, but usually once you start um, following a few people or even TikTok also pays close attention to your watch time. So if you start like, you know, lingering on videos a bit more, TikTok will start to understand um, what kind of videos you like to consume. And uh, people have varied experience in this. I had an old TikTok account before I had this current one where I didn't follow as many science creators. So my algorithm on that one was, you know, not as like optimized to my taste. But like once I created this new account and started following science creators, um, my algorithm is like is, is really good now. And it's definitely like optimized to the kind of stuff um, I like. And um and yeah, I mean, there are creepy stories about the algorithm. People definitely like some people do get sent down conspiratorial rabbit holes, not even because they are like conspiracy theorists, but because they find themselves sort of lingering on that content. They're, they're like, why am I being shown this? And then TikTok will pay attention to your watch time and show you more. So there are certainly like a lot of like weird stories about the TikTok algorithm. And um, and I think TikTok, it's as someone who like researches social media, I think it's completely unexplored in terms mm. of social media research. Mm. I feel like there needs to be so much research exploring um, the TikTok app, especially since, I mean, stats are showing that uh, the amount of time people are spending on TikTok is now exceeding the amount of time people are spending on YouTube. Like it's it's crazy. It's, it's the growth we've seen on TikTok has been huge. And um, yeah, I think a huge part of this is the fact that the TikTok algorithm is just so optimized for you. And one thing that's different about it than YouTube is YouTube will show you all these thumbnails and you'll like be like, oh, I want to watch this video. This looks good. Um, TikTok gets rid of that step and it will just show you a video automatically. So I think that really leads to its um, addicting potential just because you're like, okay, what does it have in store for me next? You don't have to even make this choice. Also, um, short form video. So videos that are, uh, I mean, all TikToks used to be under one minute in the past. They can now be up to three minutes. I think that also just makes it like really addicting. So you can like just scroll to the next video and it, it will be short. And that gives you sort of that like mindset of like, oh, I'll just watch one more video. So um, 
yeah, that's my that's my brief summary of TikTok. Yeah, that is useful. I, I think the thing that that made me jump ship was the lack of control. Like, I kind of didn't yeah. like that the bus was being driven by an autopilot. <laughs> like, I like right. YouTube because I go, I I'll make my little playlist for the twenty minutes I have, <laughs> and I'll curate the content right. I want to watch. Whereas this is just like, I don't know what it's going to show me, and like. I, I just I don't I don't like handing the keys over <laughs> in that yeah. way. But I do get wh- why it's ad- addictive in a lot of ways, right? And, and why it, why people would climb onto it. And the other thing that's funny is that that are all the, all the videos are vertical oriented. Yeah, all, yeah, all, ver- so all sort of filmed on a phone. Yeah, built to to watch on a phone. And that's the other thing. Yeah. My wife makes fun of me for. I don't think I've been to Instagram on my phone ever. I'll go, I'll log on to instagram.com and she goes, "What are you doing?" Wow. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> goes to the website. And the same thing when I was pulling up your stuff, I was on the tiktok.com uh and and pulling oh, I that see. stuff. Up. Okay. And that's like yeah. mostly how I will find stuff. But that I like cuz I go, "Oh, I can easily see all the things that this one person made and I can I can click and choose from it. Uh, but it's so much worse on TikTok.com. Like you don't have that feed and like, right. yeah. So <laughs> so I, I, I recommend you maybe give it another try. And there are ways that you can sort of take ownership of the algorithm or you can, there's a button where that you can press saying like, stop showing me videos like this mm. or I don't like this video. Also, if you just like strategically follow the right people, that will help. The fact that I like follow as many um, professors and PhD students as I can and science communicators it helps like TikTok has learned what I like and my algorithm is you know it's not it's not very toxic it's sort of optimized to me and plenty of people have worse algorithms but if you're sort of lucky to sort of take control of your algorithm and get a good one then TikTok can be like a really great great experience okay so in this bizarre and uh, unfamiliar uh, media platform yeah. <laughs> why like, why does this seem like a place to talk about psychology to people who don't already know about it? Like, what makes this a good science communication platform? Yeah, um, I think, well, the sheer fact that there are so many users on TikTok and um, also the fact that so few people are doing science and especially psychology communication. Um, so I, I sort of joined this app back in... Um, 2020, uh, very early 2020. And um, I, I, I used it for about like six months before I really got built my science communication account. Um, and uh, one thing I noticed when I first started looking at the psychology content on the app was just how bad it was. Like, if anyone like, so for instance, if you go to TikTok, and you look at hashtag psychology, uh, what you will mostly see is just misinformation. You will see all these like fake psychology facts. You will see a lot of these um, accounts where people are saying like psychology fact, if someone looks at you and they laugh, it means they're in love with you. Just like these like random quotes um, and sort of that like was the psychology content back in um, 2020. Uh, So I, but I was inspired by like a few accounts that were doing like a really good job at science communication on the app. So um, sort of back before I started, there were some accounts like um, there was a woman named Dr. Julie, who uh, is a psychiatrist who did mental health content. And she's now at like 3 million followers and has a book. So she's been doing really well on TikTok. And she did legit content. Um, a few other creators as well. Like there's a professor named Dr. Ina who was doing some good content. Um, 
tall psychology, Danny's brain. These, these are all TikTok handles I'm giving you right now. People who were like starting to do some good science content. There were also a lot of like doctors and COVID communicators on the app who were doing really like a really good job at getting like reliable information about COVID and uh, the vaccine, especially in the face of sort of some disinformation problems on the TikTok app. And there are definitely disinformation problems on that app. So um, yeah, I was inspired by some, um, basically some of those folks on TikTok. And, but it wasn't until like I started, until I like, I gave science communication a try that I realized that there was a demand for this. Um, so basically I had this other TikTok account um, and then I decided to create a new account where I would focus on science communication. And um, on one just like random Sunday afternoon, I made uh, three psychology TikToks where I described like psychology studies um, that I was familiar with and that I thought um, were very cool. And, um, you know, I, I had like zero followers and everything, but I just like, I put these out into the algorithm to see like how they would do. And at first it seemed like none of them were like doing well. So I was like, okay, maybe this is like kind of hard. And then like, I, I went to bed that night and, um, like I woke up the next day and, uh, one of those three TikToks, uh, started doing really well. It, it went, um, you know, semi-viral. I think it has like a hundred thousand views now. And, uh, you know, at the time that was like, wow, a lot of people are seeing and engaging with this content. I got like a few thousand followers and I was like, okay, maybe there is a, a, a demand for this. And I sort of responded to that demand a bit. And um, I, I think another reason why TikTok is a good place for science communication that is unexplored is um, there are a lot of young people on the app. So a, you know, a, a lot of people will sort of say that TikTok is like a Gen Z app. And if you look at stats, you know, it has a lot of teenagers. It has a lot of people in their, their 20s. It definitely has a lot of older people as well. So it's not just a Gen Z app. But um, I'm kind of thinking back to myself back when I was like a teenager or when I went to college and I was first exposed to uh, psychology content. And I was really inspired by uh, some of these big uh, science communicators who wrote books. I was super influenced by my first psychology one class uh, when I went to undergrad. And that like inspired me to sort of get into this whole field of psychology. And I think what's exciting about TikTok is you're actually reaching a lot of people who have like never been exposed to psychology research like in their life like they're completely new to psychology research and you know when i'm on twitter i'm in like a bubble of academics and people who are all knowledgeable about this but there's something really exciting about tiktok how um people can get super exciting excited about like basic psychology concepts that we sort of learned in our education when we were very young and then that gets like me like excited about like psychology again, seeing all these other people get excited about psychology. Um, so yeah, it's just a totally different audience than like what I'm used to when I'm like sort of in the bubble of the university or the bubble of Twitter. You are able to reach all these people like across the world who have you know never seen psychology hmm. content before. Yeah, the the fact in some ways that's the strength of the fact that TikTok just shows you stuff, right? Because if mm -hmm. you're on YouTube, mm -hmm. you'd go, I never. All I know about psychology is uh, there's this test that tells you what color personality you are. You go, so I'm not going to, I don't really care about that. I'm not going to look up videos about yeah. <laughs> it. But if TikTok's like, hey, I don't know, like you're interested in stuff. This guy said some stuff. You're interested in this. And you go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> I had never thought that like you could 
understand like why how people do these things in groups in a scientific way. Um, right. And yeah, especially for like younger folks or folks who just really have never had any reason to think about psychology as a science or social science in general. Um, yeah, that it's sort of just kind of putting it out there, right? In terms of reach, you know, you think about like you get a podcast, right? Like no one's just like random. No one's thrown on the radio and hearing my podcast. Right? It's not just played. Like you have to seek it out. And that's the trouble with breaking through in an established medium where people have to find you. Whereas TikTok seems interesting because it's just sort of like no real competition. You're just throwing stuff out there it's, and it's hitting people's eyeballs and it just snowballs from there, it seems. It's crazy. Yeah, there's this term, people call it like organic reach or mm. whatever. It's sort of like when you're sort of on a social network like YouTube or Twitter, how easy is it to like, without spending marketing dollars or all these things to get people to see your content. And it's really hard nowadays to start a YouTube channel, to start a podcast. It's super hard to like get followers on Twitter. Um, TikTok, you can like, if you get a video with like high watch time that captures people at attention, it can blow up, it can get, you know, 6 million plus views, and you can get hundreds of 1000s of like followers like, hmm. overnight. And um, and some of that is like luck. You're able to like strike whatever the algorithm thinks is um, is like you know good for the moment. And it's really hard to predict what will go viral. But uh, yeah, just the reach of my account like within the year has been very surprising. Like I and my account it was hovering at like forty k. Uh, 40,000 followers for like a lot of um, 2020 and it very suddenly in like a month or so, mm. like it, it went up to a million. And that was just because like, I, I made a few videos that for some reason people and the algorithm really liked, and I didn't really even expect that. So, um, and I think the fact that TikTok is like also a very, is still a young platform. It is easier to get this, this reach. It's a little bit like what happened in the early days of um, YouTube, uh, YouTube sort of had like a first movers advantage. Like a lot of people who started YouTube channels, like I'm thinking like Hank Green or John Green, some of these folks, they had like a big advantage in terms of, uh, you know, they are now the big YouTubers today because they were in a platform early. And I think TikTok is still in the stage where it's like an early enough platform that it's sort of easier to have growth. Mm. And it will probably be harder to get growth in the next two years once, you know, TikTok becomes more established. But um but yeah, it, it's been just really cool the amount of reach these videos have been able to get. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how th these numbers are incredible. <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, whoa, yeah. that's a huge number of people who have, I mean, even if you just think like sometimes even just looking at like the numbers or even the geography, I don't know if you get any like stats or like info on that on the back end. I, I do. Yeah, I have some info. Yeah. I mean... If you're curious, like half of my followers, I think are from the United States, uh, and then the other half are international. And but you know, there's a huge international reach. Uh, it, for a while, like 10% of my following was like from the Philippines. So you sort of some some hmm. videos just sort of take off in certain regions. Um, yeah, yeah, it just strikes me as a, just such an incredible opportunity to like under what other you, you think of the day to day of an academic. And you go, no, nothing you could do in your day would help you reach, you know, thousands of people on the other side of the world, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people uh, in different pockets of the, the world that you'll never visit, right? Or, yeah. or never thought to visit. And yet you've done something 
that can help translate this work that, that presumably you find <laughs> important to share uh, to some other place. And so, yeah, so what, what is it like when you're when you're making a video? Like, what is your goal ultimately, right? Like there's a version where you go like, it's just fun and I do it because it's fun and it's a game and people like it. Or is there is there anything else to it where you go like, no, like I keep doing it because I think it's worth doing for some reason? Yeah, I so I've thought a lot about this because there are like, there are constraints in how much you can communicate via a TikTok. And that um, sort of the TikToks that will go be most successful on the app tend to be around um, 30 seconds long uh, to 40 seconds. Um, and I've made plenty of videos that are like 90 seconds that communicate something in more in depth, but those are harder to go uh, viral. So you have all these like constraints uh, by the algorithm and that you can go in a lot of depth and nuance. And I make a lot of those videos that go in depth. Um, but they're, you know, they're harder to take off than the videos that are short and just very briefly communicate a concept. So I think in terms of like the limits of what you can communicate via TikTok, what my main goal is, is to get people excited about science and psychology. And I, uh, to get people excited, I just like to sort of share, um, you know, always accurate information because, you know, I, I'm. I, I'm a scientist. I value accuracy strongly, but uh, things that can like like key concepts from psychology or key studies that can be communicated very clearly um, that can often be communicated with visuals, sometimes multimedia, and um, and to do that, I usually think back to the studies that got me excited about psychology. Like I, I always think back to like my my undergrad, uh, which was. Um, had like amazing teachers like uh and i especially think back to like my psych one class at stanford taught by james gross who was like such an he was such an incredible teacher and i'm like what and i later ta to that class so then i got some experience with teaching and i was thinking like what were the studies that got me excited about psychology and then um and yeah then i i, I do those and i also try to convey a lot of excitement and in my videos, um, I, I sort of have a background in theater from when I was young. So like, I love theater and public speaking as well. So I try to like, I try to like be excited about what I'm sharing and I try to get other people excited. And I, I also like want, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's key. And then secondary is like, you know, you wanna actually educate people and you wanna teach them these key concepts from psychology. But when thinking about the constraints, I think the main goal is to get people excited and then they, that might lead them to, um, you know, pursue psychology more in the future, like as, as I did. Very cool. Yeah. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of like beginning to end. How does one of these come together? Right. Like you sort of alluded to it earlier, but we, if we take an example, so I'd ask you to identify uh, an example of a video that has done well, that people have responded to that still sits with you as like a job well done. That was a good one. <laughs> um, and you, you, you sort of pointed to one on, um, conformity, right? Like where people won't yeah. respond in an emergency when nobody else seems to be responding, right? So very kind of right. seminal notion of, you know, bystander effects where people just won't see it in them to get involved uh, if other people don't seem to be doing so. Um, so classic study that has existed and been talked about forever. Mm -hmm. And so when you approach it in this medium, can you kind of walk me through for, like, okay, I'm gonna make a TikTok. This is what I decide to make it on. Now what happens from that moment until the time it goes live? 
Yeah, so uh, I, I pointed to the smoke-filled room because that particular TikTok was, um, I think it's my third most watched video, so it has like 3.5 million views or something. It, but it also, it has my highest watch time. Mm. So people watched it for an average of maybe 40 seconds or so, and it's like, it's it's over a minute long. And it's hard to get videos that are over a minute. It's hard to get people to watch them. So. Mm. I think there was something about that video that was compelling to people. And, um, you know, as as you say, this was like one of the classic conformity e experiments. So so basically, um, the crux of the study for, you know, listeners who, who don't know is basically uh, they'd have someone like wait in a waiting room along with a bunch of um, actors or confederates. And... Uh, they thought that the experiment was about to begin. But, you know, what they didn't know, this person in the experiment, is the experiment has already begun. Um, and they, like, have a fog machine in the corner of the room, and the room starts to fill with smoke, and all the Confederates or actors are told to just, like, sit there and um, do nothing, and uh, just to, like, pretend nothing weird is going on. And sort of what happened in this classic experiment is a lot of people around 90% of people sort of put in the situation, they conformed and they didn't report that the smoke uh, was filling the room. Whereas people in a control condition without these Confederates, they didn't conform and they tended to report the smoke. Um, so yeah, that was the crux of the study that I did for um, this particular video. Um, something I think was that was special about this experiment is um, there is sort of a video of it that is sort of, you know, it's publicly available on YouTube. And they actually like filmed a participant in this experiment. And while I'm talking about this experiment, I like show the video like above me. And I show a participant sort of um, sitting there as the smoke is filling the room. She's looking concerned, but like all the Confederates are just doing nothing. And I think uh, a major reason why this video did well is just, you know, some of the, the source material is really good. This particular video is very compelling. And a lot of times when you're explaining a psychology experiment, it's hard for people to sort of get the like a thousand people were randomly assigned to two conditions. People don't really think in uh, like groups like that. And I mean, psychologists have been trained to think of like experimental and control condition. But um, if you sort of haven't been like trained in, in science and you don't like intuitively think that way, oftentimes people respond very well to like a single person or like a single story. And I think uh, the video clip of this like participant in the experiment uh, sort of struggling to know what to do, I think that was like really compelling for people. So the fact that I was explaining the study while also showing a video was I think one reason it, it went viral. And also something, if you sort of like look back at my various TikToks, if things have a visual, either like a picture or a graph or something like that, or a video, they do better than when I'm just talking on my own. Because TikTok, it's it's a video platform. It's a multimedia platform. The more stuff people have to watch, the better. So I think this video is like one reason the TikTok um, did well. So um, another aspect of that TikTok that I think um, was uh, successful is the hook. So every like video I do, I try to like, you know, have a good hook because the key factor for the TikTok algorithm probably is is watch time. You want to get people to watch the video. You want them to stop scrolling. And uh, 
you have to like have a hook that keeps people watching. I forgot exactly what I said, but I, I said something like, here's an example of how um, conformity can like be deadly or like how conformity can be deadly in a life-threatening situation. And uh, I think people like that because they're like, oh, what is going to happen next? If, if you get people to think like, oh, I want to keep doing watching this. So what is going to happen next? That will like keep people watching and seeing your explanation because they want to see what like the payoff of the hook is. They're like, oh, what what is this? Um, so you have both. You have the hook. You have like me explaining the study. And then you have the visual that people are able to watch. And um yeah, so that was sort of the anatomy of that particular TikTok video. And I remember before I posted that video, um, so it can be really hard for me to predict what will be successful by the TikTok algorithm because I'm so like close to the source material and it's hard for me to like know what people will like. But uh, I remember when I like showed my mom that video and I was like, oh, mom, I'm, I'm going to post this video. What do you think? she just couldn't stop laughing at the the woman at, at reacting to the smoke-filled room. And she had this like very visceral reaction to it. And she was like, I love that. That's like your best, that's your best TikTok. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And then, I mean, she was, she was right. Her visceral reaction was right. And I couldn't quite like, because I was so close to that video, I couldn't like quite realize that like, this this particular study in this particular video was very good at evoking a visceral reaction. So I think that's probably a key aspect to virality on the app. Can you get people to like, can you evoke that sense of surprise or awe or humor? And uh, some of these classic studies like on conformity do quite well at this. And I've done plenty of videos on conformity. I've done Ash's line tests. I've done some of that stuff. And, and people like that and people will respond in the comments always like relating it to real world examples of conformity and um yeah so that's the anatomy of that particular video yeah those are so two things jump out one is that you know like you said the, these for someone who's in the field who's already taken the classes even mm -hmm. taught the classes you go come on everyone's heard of this right like <laughs> everyone's seen this video everyone's seen the, the three yeah. lines and everyone says oh one line is bigger yeah but again to your point that this is an app in particular that it's reaching an audience that Ooh. hasn't gotten there yet right like this is the first time like that's in insane <laughs> the first time you're hearing about the this uh line conformity study is is incredible and the other thing that's interesting too is that your notion of the hook makes me think that on youtube the hook is like the thumbnail and the title oh, absolutely right? yeah whereas this has neither right there's yeah you just it starts right i, I often think that uh people would be have way more eclectic tastes in movies if you if they just were played for you, because uh -huh. too much we 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 pre filter we go that's not the kind of thing I watch oh I don't know about this I don't know about this but if it just if I just played it for you you'd go oh I'm maybe I I love a whole genre that I never <laughs> dabbled in before because I just thought I didn't like it that's a um, startup idea right now yeah. <laughs> that's like TikTok for movies yeah you should, you should make that. <laughs> yeah you just spend all day scrolling and then you're stuck for two hours <laughs> they won't let you pivot until you've yep. watched twenty minutes of the movie um, yeah. So, so if we get even into the like, you know, so this makes sense in hindsight, right? This was mm -hmm. the, what you can, had constructed. But when you're in the moment of going, okay, I want to present this to the world, what is the process? Like, 
Are you writing a lot of that down first? Are you outlining or no. do you just sort of go, let's hit play and let's see what I remember <laughs> of this so, Yeah, I, I, I never script my TikToks, partially just because, um, again, it's a habit where I just like want to keep producing TikToks and I don't want to, like I'm also writing my thesis and TikTok is kind of like a way I procrastinate too. It's like, I always think like, oh, I have, I have other things I should be doing. So it's partially out of like habit and it's also out of like, you know, I want to get these videos done quickly. But I do I do usually film in like uh, short takes and I'll do like a sentence or so for each take and I'll film directly in the native TikTok app, which is actually like very good for um, you can do a lot of editing, you can do cutting, you can do captions like the TikTok native app is like part of like why it's so innovative is it makes it really easy for anyone to produce like movies or films, which like back in the day you needed to use like iMovie or Final Cut Pro to do all these things. Now you can edit like natively in the TikTok app. So there is like so little activation energy to like actually like f just putting your, so I put my phone in my like ring light or like my, uh, and then I will just like stand in front of the screen and um, yeah. And then I'll think of like, what, like, what is the hook? What is the next sentence? And usually I like have like kind of semi scripted the video in my head. So like maybe like when I'm in the shower or something, I'm like, okay, I think I'll say this, this and this. And I kind of brainstorm it in my head. And then I like go in front of the camera and then I film a couple of clips and I basically film it until I'm satisfied with that particular clip because I was playing it with like a video playing above me. I that was a bit harder because like I needed to um get everything right for like a, a minute of me speaking. So I, I remember I filmed quite a few takes of that. And that might have taken like an hour or so for me to like really perfect, like speaking for about a minute. But usually if like I don't have a video playing, I'm just able to film various takes of me speaking. And sometimes like I'll have to reshoot it because I'm like, oh, what I said at the beginning wasn't very good. But uh, but yeah, TikTok also sort of has ways of you like selecting a particular clip and refilming it. So yeah, often just because of the TikTok edit function, you don't have to script. And I, I, I don't know, I kind of just like the spontaneity of me saying things off the cuff. So yeah, that's that's usually how I do it. I often film once you're like in the mood to film, you're like, oh, maybe let me film like three or four or five in a row. Like sometimes you'll want to like bulk film because it can take a while to get like yourself psyched up for filming. But once you're psyched up, you're like, oh, I want to do this study or this study. And uh, yeah, and then you have to edit a bit. You have to like edit the captions and everything. You have to you sometimes add like text labels within the TikTok app. I've kind of like refused to like do m much more advanced editing because I really don't want like these extra steps. And I wanted to sort of keep it like spontaneous me sharing my studies and make it primarily just about me talking and sort of sharing what I'm excited about. So having done, so they're impromptu in that you're sort of uh, discovering it as you go, right? And then you sort of lock in to the like, okay, this is the one. Um, and that's been right. sort of the process from the beginning. Yeah, that was the process from the beginning. And I haven't really changed like my process for um a year basically like yeah those first three videos i filmed on that first day they were very impromptu um but yeah I, there have been like a few things i've changed over time in response to just like learning what people like or learning what the algorithm likes like i changed some of the topics that i focus on like 
people aren't interested in some of my main interests, which are like social media and political psych and misinformation. People instead are they're more interested in like conformity. They're interested in developmental psych. People love anything with like babies or things like that. Um, yeah, and just like other topics like narcissism or relationships, things that like I might not be like as um, focused on, but like, are, but are just like general topics that uh, I've learned to explore. I've also learned as a result of the TikTok algorithm to, um, I think I speak faster now than I originally did because again, you want people to keep watching. And oftentimes like people, when they're watching YouTube or something, they watch in double speed or they watch in 1.5 speed. I listen to podcasts usually at 1.5 speed. So like, if you talk like really fast, people will be able to read the captions and understand it. And that's like one thing to get people to keep watching. You talk fast. Um, I think I've like tried to get more enthusiastic as I've gone along or more like excited about my um my stuff because i but because again i think like if you are excited about it and um i mean the excitement is genuine i'm not like faking it but like you learn to like be once you learn to be like more expressive about your excitement i think that is something that people they feel through the screen and it leads them to be more excited and then i've also learned to make like more visual videos in response to um the algorithm and everything to optimize the hook because the hook is like absolutely most important um yeah i think that that is it i, I was gonna say one more thing but i forgot yeah you you hopped right on to where i was going which is like what have you learned along the way that that has affected oh, okay, the yeah. process right like so presumably you've gotten more efficient over time. You've zeroed yeah. in on how it works. Um, so these are useful insights. And I imagine, like you said, you're sort of checked into the community on TikTok of folks who do similar kinds of things. Um, are there, without throwing anyone under the bus, of course, are there are there things that ever stand out to you as like, I see people try to do this or approach it this way, but it's not working? Like... Yeah. Are, are there ways in which you're seeing people approach TikTok in ways that don't seem optimal? Yeah. I mean, a lot of things, of course. But um, yeah, I, I, okay. I think one thing I've, along the way, I've sort of encouraged like, you know, a few other people to to join TikTok and things. And I think one thing people can like get discouraged about easily the TikTok algorithm is like brutal. It's just completely brutal. And most of my videos don't succeed. And because I have like a million followers now, every video gets like a baseline amount of views. Like they'll get, they'll get tens of thousands of views, even if they're, if, if it's a bad video, but the TikTok algorithm is binary. It's like you either get like a video either goes like viral and it gets like a million plus, at least on my page, or it, you know, gets like this baseline level of like, 40,000 views or something. So um, I think uh, I think a lot of like creators on, I think for a lot of creators on the app, it can be difficult to deal with that feedback. And I, I think people will give up early on because they'll like try a few videos and uh, they might not do well. And then they'll, they'll, they'll give up. But, and I was lucky in that of the first three videos I did, two didn't succeed and one did and who knows if i'd still be making videos if that like one video didn't succeed and um i mean yeah the tiktok algorithm is brutal because like even if you're doing really good work even if it's really interesting 
it all just comes down to this like metric of like what people are watching and what people are liking, which is like brutal feedback. So <laughs> yeah, I guess one thing to keep in mind is like, yeah, you, you can't take that like feedback seriously. Um, I mean, you can take it seriously and that you can learn from it, but like, you have to kind of start viewing TikTok as like very unimportant and not thinking about that stuff because it, it can be really easy to like view that as like a kind of like rejection and everything. Another thing, it, it's it's kind of impossible I a priori to predict what will like go viral. So um, yeah, you have to try different things and you have to like pay attention to what the algorithm likes. But I feel like the correlation between what I predict mm -hmm. will go viral <laughs> and what actually goes viral. It's, I think it might be there, but it might be around like 0.1 or something. Like it's a very weak correlation, like maybe marginally significant mm -hmm. or something. <laughs> like, yeah, so that's, that's another thing. Um, and then in terms of like techniques and tactics that people do that don't work, one, uh, and, and this is like mostly for science communication, like, I think my number one thing might be like, you're not being like concise enough. And when I'm filming, I will like always sort of like, I will phrase something in a unnecessarily complicated way. And then I'll be like, wait, I need to reshoot that. I can just say this. And you don't have to describe everything about the paper. You don't have to say like, this many people were randomly assigned and this and this. And as scientists, we are very detail focused and we might want to focus on the main details. But when you have this app that has these constraints you have to fit very creatively in the constraints and you have to be like okay i'm going to have accurate information but what is the key point of this study what is the key figure and even if i won't explain anything uh like what is something i i want to reach people with and i want to get across and and i think people should optimize if they're making tiktoks for like you know around 30 seconds for science communication it can often be hard to do under a minute or something, but if you're able to like really describe something well in under 30 seconds, I think that's like a skill that's really hard to do, but it will help people see your work. Yeah, I guess another thing is, uh, so be concise. I think you need to be like, um, you need to be like simple enough that like kind of any anyone can get it, but also like, just like target a broad audience as well. Because I also want my TikToks to be interesting to other professors, other academics, plenty of PhD students and professors and everything watch my TikToks. And I want them to be like equally interesting to people who are like in middle school and also who like might be professors as well. And of course, sometimes I make TikToks that are aimed at different audiences. I'll do the very simple conformity study that a lot of people have heard of, but I'll also do things about the replication crisis that are a bit more advanced and those would be aimed at different audiences. Yeah, and then I, I guess the final thing is um, maybe enthusiasm and um, excitement, and uh, which, which I've said a lot of times, but I, I see people sort of not, um, not sort of expressing that like excitement and charisma that uh, that I that I grew up with a lot of like when I was in the theater community and when I did a lot of public speaking and I, like I think that's something you also need to do because uh, yeah TikTok it's it's a visual medium it's you're you're showing yourself and um, you're you're speaking directly to the screen and I think there is sort of like an um, kind of an an art form in that that you like have to like get used get used to and master just sort of the art of like how do you speak to the screen 
and act sort of enthusiastic about yeah. something. And that's way different than writing an article or doing a podcast or things like that. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me, I, as a performance-leaning person also, I remember as a kid, mm -hmm. my mind was blown when someone pointed out, like, on the, like, the difference between stage acting and film acting, right? Where, like, stage acting is big and it's expressive and you, like, have these, there's, like, a distance where you have to traverse, right? And so you have to traverse yeah. bigness. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in film, you're, the camera's right there, there's time, you can be more subtle and more nuanced and, you know, not give everything away in your face, like vaudeville style. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, you'd almost think like, oh, and then TikTok is this like, it's so, it's like right in your hand. It should be like the most personal, but it's like the process reverts back again, <laughs> where you kind of need to amp it up more, right? Because it's almost the same kind of constraint where you're like, I need to traverse this this chasm <laughs> and I need to do it in a way that, again, on a podcast, you go, hey, we can slow down. I've got yeah. you for the hour. We can yeah. explore. But when I've got 30 seconds, like I need to hook you and keep you. <laughs> and then when you're done, you need to be like, I want some more of that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And that's cool that you have a you have a performance background, too. I feel like I should have guessed that with the, <laughs> the communication stuff you do. But um, but yeah, that's a really good comparison because I, I did a lot of stage acting when I was young and I thought I'd like pursue a career in acting when I was young. And I remember I was like horrible at film acting because I was too, once the camera was close, my facial expressions were too big and everything. But it's, I feel like the whole, um, sometimes I'm like, was, th was that theater, all that theater education actually helpful? And I think like I've finally found a way to integrate my theater education with my science education. Cause I think all that practice of like doing monologues and theatrical stuff, I, th I think it has gone over to my science communication and my TikToks, because I definitely use all that performance skill. And it, it, in many ways, I, I don't know, I was like, I was sometimes more like shy as a kid. And like the stage or like theater was where I would like be able to like express myself and really light up. And I think like, I can be like very comfortable in front of that TikTok camera, just like explaining a study. And in a lot of ways, it's like easier for me than going to like write a tweet about a study or something and getting like the perfect words. There's something where I just like feel more comfortable, like speaking in front of like my phone camera. So, um, so yeah. And I mean, I think for like a lot of people starting TikTok, that's something that like might take like some time to like get used to. And I, I just like recommend being persistent with that. And of course, like before I had my science TikTok, I was sort of playing around with making just like funny meme TikToks and stuff. And I was experimenting with the form and none, none of them did very well. But like, I just, you know, I spent a while getting used to TikTok as like a genre, a medium before I like fully dived into this space. Hmm. So by, by way of wrapping up, the last thing I was going to ask is sort of, we were kind of careening right toward this point, mm -hmm. which is, what does the future of all of this look like for you? Like, is this things like TikTok always make me nervous because you go, I don't know, this could be gone tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but like the seed of wanting to do this kind of outside of academia communication, like where where do you sit? Is this kind of like a science communication part of the long term plan, or is this like a hey, this was a fun year and a half, but like ultimately we're going to shut down the shop and go pursue other things? Like, where does this fit? in your sort of uh, plan for, for yourself? Yeah, I mean, 
I think my main goal right now is I'm like finishing my PhD, I'm going into my postdoc, and I do want to like try to pursue an, like an academic career and go into become a professor. Like that's that's been my main goal recently. But um, but I've always been into science communication, and I feel like I've wanted to be like like one of those professors um, who sort of both like does a lot of science communication and is also very active in academia. I mean, you're one of those professors here. You're, you're very involved in science communication and academia. And I, I kind of want to, um, yeah. And I've always wanted to, to do that. And my dream since I was like, probably like before I even got into research psychology was to like write a popular psychology book. And that is like still one of my dreams. And hopefully I can keep doing TikToks and maybe use like TikTok as like, uh, you know, a launching pad for um, other forms of science communication, such as like writing a book or something. But um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't think TikTok will be gone tomorrow. I think TikTok is on the upward path of growing. And if anything, it's Facebook's users that are declining. It's Instagram's users that are declining. And who knows, maybe in five years, we'll all be like in the metaverse and TikTok will like go the direction of Vine. But it's going to stick around a few years. So my short-term goal is to like be um, to to be consistent. I've been taking kind of a break from TikTok to focus on studies and my thesis. And also, once I hit a million, I was like really exhausted of trying <laughs> to get to a million. I was like, okay, I'm gonna finally take a break. But yeah, I want to be like consistent. Maybe put out like one TikTok a week. Um, you know, at something like something very manageable, and continue to sort of grow and build my TikTok audience. And you sort of use that as like a, a launching point to other forms of science communication, like a book or, um, you know, even maybe a podcast, some things like that. But I, I love science communication. It's one of the things that like, feels like it gives me like purpose in doing psychology research. Because when you're publishing in journals, sometimes you're like, what is this all for? Who's actually reading this? What impact does it have? And I think like psychology, a lot of like social psychology has uniquely had an impact on like uh, popular discourse and on communication. Because sometimes you're like, is this influencing policy? Not really. Are these interventions actually being deployed in the real world? Not often, but but a lot of times like social psychology has had an impact on, on public discourse. So yeah, I feel like it will always, this communication aspect will always be like, um, will always be like a part of my life when I like, when I hopefully become a professor or go in that direction. So, yeah. Great. All right. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed, keep my eyes open <laughs> and uh, <laughs> appreciate you. you taking the time. This was, this was educational, both in terms of what TikTok is for someone like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but also I think the way you approach it has, has elements that are relevant regardless of the medium that you're mm -hmm. using. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sorry, I think people will find that useful as well. So thanks for taking the time. Cool, thanks so much. This was a fun interview. Thanks to Steve Rathjay for taking the time to talk TikTok. Head over to this episode's page on opinionsciencepodcast.com to find links to Steve's website, uh, and you can find him on TikTok at Steve Psychology. I'm also happy to say that since this conversation, I've become more of a TikTok consumer. I've, I've definitely done the thing where all of a sudden it's midnight and I've just been watching TikToks, so... Uh, 
you got me. (laughs) This series on science communication is a special presentation of my podcast, Opinion Science, a show about the science of our opinions, where they come from, and how they change. You can subscribe any old place where they have podcasts, your Apples, your Googles, your Spotify's, and you can help spread the word about the podcast and this science communication series in particular by sharing it on social media, passing it along to fellow scientists, science writers, journalists, your favorite TikTok stars, and leaving kind reviews of the podcast online. Okie doke. Thank you so much for listening. Only one more episode left in this series. I wanted the series to focus on social science communication, but as a social psychologist myself, you'll notice that a lot of the people I've had on the show skew in the psychology direction. But I, I did want to broaden the net a bit. So next week, it's political science, baby. And how social scientists have a unique opportunity to help the public make sense of our political world. That's one of the things that I've also gained some appreciation for, and it often surprises me, is like, who's good at this? Who's good at 800 words, tight, you know, concise, no jargon, and who's, who sends me 1,500 words with 17 footnotes, you know? <laughs> And then, you know, that's fine. That's fair. Like, that's just, you need to do some work on just sort of um, helping people learn how our format works. But like, you know, there's clearly people who have like a knack right out out of the gate and other folks that don't. And those things don't necessarily align with the traditional markers of academic prestige. I'm John Sides, and I'm a professor in the political science department at Vanderbilt University. And I was a co-founder of The Monkey Cage and currently serve as its publisher.